Yeah, perfect. we're looking good. All right. Hello, Dave. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Warm. Yeah, it's a hot day. Oh, well, it's not like sensationally hot, but that sun is just a stinger. Fortunately, we've got a good spot at the shade at this pub. Absolutely. Uh, we're at the Standard, and we've got a guest, um, Ash Hazel from Colonial. How's it going? Yeah, good. Really good. Welcome. Uh, is your idea to come to the Standard, actually? Is this local for you? Um, not a local. I'm, I'm Richmond-based. I just love this venue. Um, before I moved over to Melbourne, I used to come to Fitzroy all the time and used to just love having a beer in this beer garden. It's a great venue. So, I was saying to Dave just before that we, used, we come here occasionally over the years and they famously didn't do chips for ages, so you couldn't get a basket of chips. And like every time you go up and ask for one, they get like narky and be like, no, we don't do chips. And you're like, what? Who doesn't do chips? Exactly. Uh, they, I think they've finally relented and they do them now. Kind of like the contrarian angle though. Like there's the one thing that every pub surely does. You need a bit of controversy, don't and you? And, get and we're still talking, talking yeah. about the fact that they used to never do yeah, chips. Yeah. So I don't but like wonder. imagine you're working behind the bar on a Saturday night and you're getting asked that a hundred times. Yeah, how many times can you say, no, we don't yeah. sell chips? We <laughs> are then, a bar, we don't sell chips. And then having that reaction of like, what? You don't Wouldn't you put a sign up over the bar? I think maybe it was no me. chips. On the Frequently menu. asked yeah. questions. No, we do not have <laughs> chips. <laughs> uh, we're also drinking Colonial IPA, which is another Tasting sort of change really nice. over the years of this pub. They've, they've increased their beer output or up to their beer game. Um, it's tasting really good. Yeah, cheers. I guess sort of if you're around this area, you kind of have to provide a little bit more uh, yeah, beer-wise. Yeah. Otherwise, you might get uh, overlooked a little. It's um, one of those pubs that I really like about Melbourne is Melbourne does good local pubs really well you know it's not pretentious the food good the pub's good yeah I had a look around good. it looks like pretty standard pub fare but yeah. it looks pretty good though like yeah. Yeah, good good quality yeah and everyone just treats it like their own backyard or their own lounge that's what I love about Melbourne that bar culture everyone yeah. just it's like an extension of their own house everyone yeah, just relaxes the, the, this particular big garden feels a bit like a backyard doesn't it yeah, yeah. alright let's get some news going underway love to got a couple of things uh, I'll, I'll mention Coopers at the Let's top. Let's get it out of the way, huh? Yeah. I think we're uh, all do we need to about talk it. about it? We talked mm, about it a little while. Surely not. Mic, but no. uh, I think it's had some air time. If yeah. you're listening to this, you've read Go- about Google it. Google yeah. Coopers and you're the top news result will be probably all the explanation you need. Uh, we got you, have, have you Googled it and seen where your post comes in the Google search? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm trying to avoid it. Okay. <laughs> I've been slammed on it. Good Beer Week and the Gala Showcase happened how did you find the Gala Showcase? Yeah, really good. I got down there on Thursday night, which was seemed like more of the trade kind of night. I mean, they had this trade day during the day, and then at night seemed to be you know, all the regular faces you see at beer events around Melbourne. It was good yeah. to catch up with people and try some great beers, which was really good. It was a really nice vibe. Like it felt yeah, because the first time back at the Federation, uh, Square. Federation Square for so a few years now. Eh? For people yeah. that, don't, that don't know, it's, it's a great spot for it. It's the it used to be the Victorian Microbrewers Showcase, and then it got rolled into Good Beer Week. Um, and basically, it's kind of they use that to launch the Melbourne Good Beer Week guide, and um, and it's kind of a a little beer festival in the middle of the city, really. Uh, How are the numbers there? Because I remember, like, by the end of it at the Victorian Microbrewery Showcase, it used to be a crush. There. Yeah, they spread it out more this time, so it went right down the back. Oh, okay. Um, so they intentionally had Boat Rocker and Pirate Life down in the back corner, basically, right. knowing that kind of people would attract pull a crowd. Yep. Boat Rocker had. A massive queue, um, and they won the the People's Choice Brewery That's and beer. I'm almost like sus about that. Well, they know before they won that they had a, a queue. They only yeah, won right. one queue, and then they won that, and you could see a flood of people heading that way. Just like I'm going the other way. But I just feel <laughs> like because um, what is it? Five you, years in a row. Are now? you calling shenanigans on Boat Rocker? I'm not. I mean, like I don't see how it happens, but like I feel like the most people that go, most punters that go, mm. aren't the kind that I would expect would love a Ramjet or a Banshee and they're the ones that continually I mean they're outstanding beer so mm. I get that from a personal level maybe the people that are going to like more likely to vote yeah, yeah I was enough. about to say yeah. I don't okay. think the people there for just a couple of beers really care about fair voting enough. but so. it's, it's I've never seen anything like it five years in a row the same beer it's cr- I, think, it's, yeah. I mean it's a testament to how good it is I had one I had a 2014 bottle mm. a couple of nights ago and it was tasting wonderful so um it's so a ripper, but yeah. good they, on them. They had a, a blended sour, uh, like a Gers, basically. So they're three, two, one. Yeah, I heard yeah. about that, but I didn't get to try it, it so pretty, I'll have to get my eye out. They were also doing free macarons with, with a lot of the beers. So like you I missed out. Yeah. I missed yeah. out on yeah. all the good things. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, and then all of a sudden they get yeah, people's yeah, choice. Right. Oh. Okay. So they're, they're bribing the... Vo- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they make exceptional <laughs> beer. Yeah, they they deserve it every year. Yeah, I had a really good time. Uh, I, I was hosting some of the um, brewery chats. So I, I really enjoyed because it was just one beer and Ash, you were one of the brewers that we hosted. 
and it was a really good way to do it because it was one beer. You just kind of wrote people in for ten minutes and say, "Yeah, pretty you know, casual." Yeah. How many people got got along to those sort of chats? Uh, we had twenty. Oh, gee, that's all right. Um, it was kind of hard the first night though. People weren't. There weren't as many people, so people were moving around a lot. Yeah, more. right. Did the you? Was that in the hub area yeah, where all, you did the was, other ones? No, it was all kind of in the actual thing. We had like a little corner. Oh, right. Okay. Um, oh, that's kind of fun then. Yeah, and the second night it actually worked better because people were just sitting there anyway. And you just say, hey, "Have you stay here all night? You'll just." You're just part of learning. this masterclass. Yeah. So a couple of people stayed there the whole night. And yeah, great. It's probably a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, get beer brought to you. You don't have to get out of your seat and you get to learn along the way. One of the, there's three of them and they were um, doing that and in between they were sending one of their party off to choose a beer and then coming back and oh, not saying good. what it was. Oh, how good. Great way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun watching them because I don't think they were still huge on beer, but they kind of were. That's a that's a gab strategy right there, isn't oh, it? Isn't just it? Grab yeah. a table and then just send out people on and search for beer. Yeah. Highlights? Uh, I think we'll talk about that in the recommendations. Oh yeah, but um, I mean, surely you got more than one. Mosaic IPA from Pirate Life was really nice. Yeah, okay. that was the first beer I had walking through the door. Um, yeah, and it's a good way to start. I really enjoyed that. Pretty dank, pretty big. I'm not a, usually a massive fan of that dank sort of style of IPA, but it was it was it was good. Is beer. it single hop or just yeah. focusing on uh, mosaic? Yeah, single hop. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not usually a huge fan of mosaic just by itself, but um, it's a lot. Like they're, they're pales mostly mosaic, isn't it? I think yeah. mostly, but yeah. like uh, still a I think, bit. Yeah, exactly. Mosaics are great hot for darker beers as well. That sweetness you get in darker malt and that that real tropical citrusy, almost like a pear-like character. It's really hard to explain mosaic. It's got its own, definitely got its own character. But I reckon it works really well in dark beers. I think that's why uh, Pirate Last Pale works quite well. It's a darker sort of pale, and it just complements that hop really well. I thought. We got sent a sample, and Dave, I forgot to bring your bottle of it. Son um, of a bitch. That yeah. I think uses mosaic in a, in a darker sort of pale as well, and uh, I really enjoyed it last night. So, uh, Dave, I'll have to bring that one for you. No probs. Yeah. Was the, how was the vibe? Oh, good. People were in good spirits both nights. Um, yeah, it was just a really, I really enjoyed it. Did you feel the excitement, like, around the, the launch of Good Beer Week? Not so much, I don't it think. It was more about the yeah. festival at hand? Because I remember yeah. I was at work looking through the guide as it came out and I was like this is a they've done it again they've upped it again just by the look of the I haven't even event. seen it yet I haven't had like, a chance to sit down yet. and read through it I oh, can't like, wait it's looking pretty like pretty I bet all the good stuff's probably already sold out you know how like a couple are sold out yeah, yeah. the Mary Kit <laughs> yeah. Rocker one. yeah of course of course <laughs> you know how like if you want your football team to get from the top four to win the flag you've got to like Raise. You're gonna have your stars, but you yeah. want your bottom six to get better. Yeah, it's like they've just like consolidated all their events, and they're just all just a notch top yeah, quality. Well, they'd yeah. have to. I mean, every year there's got to be more and more breweries with more and more events, and everyone's trying harder and harder to be that brewery that gets noticed. And so the events are just gonna keep. They have to evolve. They have to get better every year. And then the good beer week crew, they can't let a million events happen. They have yeah, to pick course. the best ones to make sure that there's there's enough like enough people to go around for the events because I reckon if they said yes to everything there'd be more events than, than people sometimes yeah, yeah. and yeah they have to weed out some of yeah. them and, and it's got to be a showcase of the, you know the best thing for the industry and best thing for the for the week not just the best thing for the individual breweries so yeah, yeah. you've got to pick the best to shine, shine a light on our industry um, I've actually so I'm hosting a, a trade session um, about marketing and media it's not completely fleshed out on the guide yet um, but it'll be fleshed out on the internet once I get the guests locked in but I think we're going to get Lawrence from Colonial yeah great he'll, he'll be good to talk about marketing, um, I've got a guy, a social media guy, who was a, an absolute gun. If you want to know something about social media, he's gonna yeah, awesome. nail it. Um, and I've got got a couple of other people from brewery marketing that I want to get on board, but to be confirmed. But um, you know, if you're in the industry and you want to know, you've got a small brewery, you're looking to one, it'll be perfect. Yeah, everyone, everyone needs to learn this stuff. You've got to set yourself apart somehow. Yeah. The market is so flooded right now that you've got to find that edge. How lucky are we as consumers? Oh, yeah. As we, I guess we're talking about sitting at a, a classic Melbourne pub drinking an IPA, which is, you know, it's, it's never been like this. So yeah, Good Beer Week guide is out as well. Uh, we'll probably do more on that on another show once we've probably had a all look at it. up until Good Beer Week, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Big news as well this week, Lion bailed on the Craft Beer Industry Association. Uh, they were already going to be, uh, like you've got a smile and you've, you've moved back there, Ash. <laughs> um, I'm Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So they, um, they were already going to be kicked out already. Everyone kind of knew that. Uh, and then they came out pretty hard with a statement saying the CBA is divisive and here's why. Uh, and that kicked off a little bit of controversy and it looked like it was about to kick off further and then Coopers did their thing and everyone forgot about <laughs> it. Um, Thanks, Coopers. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what it means, I guess, for 
the industry as a whole. I think CBAA, the Craft Industry Industry Association, is you know they're they're fighting or they're small brewers need an association like that. I don't yeah. know if Lion really needs it. I don't think it. those guys need the help. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm on the CBA board. I'll just speak for myself, but I, I think um, the industry wants a body that represents the the small yeah. developing breweries. Um, and until until there's alignment of values there, the CBA w- won't have the same sort of abilities to, to develop the industry. So com- narrowing it back down to the to a, a a single group of businesses with with aligned values can only be a good thing. Is the way I see it. Well, I was yeah. reading the statement okay. from. Um, from Lion and I felt like they were making all good points that I agree with but I didn't see how that fit in with the CBIA yep. like I know everyone has to work together to get better there, and like there was, there was, it was a good good argument from both sides there I, yeah, I thought it's, I, it's a nice I thought it was a uh, I'm going to be honest uh, a dicky marketing move Chuck Hunt made it on behalf and he's got so much respect he's yeah. done so much for the industry yeah, Chuck, the CBA wouldn't be where it is today without Chuck Hunt he's been instrumental in it and uh, and you know he's he's contributed a lot along the way, and and he was um, you know he was one of the founding members of the CBA. So there's nothing but respect from the CBA and the whole. Com- and I think the entire I I like to think I would speak for the industry on this, saying everyone has respect for what oh, Chuck Chuck's done for the industry. So yeah, you having him as the spokesperson, it kind of and, and it was inevitable that they would you know be not forced out, but they would be kind of written out and under the new rules. Uh, so going that hard before the the forum and the discussions happening in a couple of days, I think, um, for the CBA is yeah, marketing-y, well, I thought. But if it's a marketing-y move, who is it directed at? The consumer. Which so consumer? Like in terms of like, sorry, that's the consumer. Yeah. That's what marketing's for, Dave. <laughs> 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 Thanks, are you, are you a marketing... <laughs> sorry. Um, I think to, to get ahead of that, you know, hey, we're... Even though we're big, we're not bad. And I think there's that perception of if they're not part of the industry association, they're not under craft, people are going to see that as bad. But I think most people still respect what Lion are doing. So Yeah, Lion yeah. are doing some good things Definitely. in the industry. They're lifting the um, appearance and the reputation of beer across the board. And you know they're going to benefit, benefit from that, and so is the wider industry as well. So I think... you know. I like to think that there's no hard feelings on either side there. It's just the no, way I things go sometimes. Like what they were saying... Was I was going? Yeah, you'll be fine if you keep doing what you're doing. You'll yeah. help the industry as a whole and do what you're claiming to do by mm. bringing everyone together. Mm. But you don't need the CBIA yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is if the CBA can stand alone on its own two feet without needing the big guys, then that's a, a huge big a huge step for our industry on the whole. The fact that we don't need the big guys, we don't need to ride their coattails. We can stand alone and do our own thing and work together to grow our industry, but not need them to grow our little part of it. I think that's a great thing. I think I, I agree with all of that. Uh, tax has come up as well this week. Um, Anthony Albanese has, has come, and come on board to support small brewers in New South Wales about tax reform. Um, what a legend. Yeah. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, hopefully something comes of that. There seems to be something. Has there been a proposed model yet? Of what? Uh, I don't know how fleshed out it is. Right. Do you know much about this? Uh, not a whole lot of... But right now, it's mainly about trying to get conversation happening around excise, and we'll, we'll put forward some ideas. Uh, I won't go into details, but we, there are some ideas we'll put forward. I mean, the main thing is if the winemakers get one set of rules and everyone else gets another. Totally agree. You know, that should be, you know, wine equalisation tax. How about a liquor equalisation tax? You know, and that's not the CBA thing, but a way of, you know everyone should pay the same amount of tax on on booze it's as simple as that uh one of the things i frequently come across is how cheap wine is if i was going to get boozed you know if i was going out to get drunk wine is such an attractive for that reason and you can get a bottle of wine for three dollars yeah, if you yeah. shop around yeah. on on a, the equivalent on a six pack of beer the equivalent tax would be so at about four to five dollars just for the tax equivalent of yeah. that wine on so i c- I feel like I'm not educated about it, and I'm hmm. sure plenty of listeners aren't. What's the argument against, like, what's the argument for having beer tax so high? So, beer is taxed the same way, and you probably might know more about this than me, but is it taxed the same way as everything else, whereas wine has a special yeah, tax so because it's sort of helping tourism and, and you know, it's a... An, uh, they had they had some good lobbyists on their side in the early days and on the, I don't know what exactly what dates this all happened, but there are definitely some, some influential people it's it's been brought up supporting the small wineries, which is a great thing for the wine industry. And we're not saying that the wine industry shouldn't have that. We're saying that, hey, if they 
get something that helps the little guys compete in the, in a very competitive market, then the little brewers should get something similar. And, and the wet rebate versus the um, beer excise rebate is tenfold. So imagine the three hundred or two hundred ninety thousand dollar wet rebate going to a small. There's more jobs using local ingredients. We're it just supporting seems the economy. So clear to anyone that looks at it, I guess. Yeah. Like what's the what's the delay? Is it just costing too much money to them? I think the delay is... Is it because the injury is booming? If, that if you're a politician... They've got a lot of competing priorities, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and right. also, do you want to make alcohol tax one of your things sure. when people... You know, there are so many... I guess you just got to be uh, smart about the way you position it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, And that's what wine did so well, position it as a hospitality, um, tourism kind of a thing, rather than beer is traditionally seen as the boozers kind of a thing. Yeah, and on the... On, on a larger scale it is, but you look at these little brew pubs in regional yeah, towns, yeah. I mean, there's breweries popping up in almost every town now has a brewery. Look at Sailor's Grave and Orbos, it's quite a small town and they've got their own brewery now, it's great. And I'm sure they would be um, adding something to that local Definitely. economy and they should be supported in that endeavour, at least until they get their feet off the ground and can, and can you know make a viable business themselves. I've just been up in, um, in Bright and since last year that I've uh, that I visited, they've got Social Bandit in Mansfield mm. now that would really, really benefit from that sort of thing. Uh, also Rutherglen, up closer mm. to the border. Again, like, it's not like a, a huge booze culture for those guys. It's mm. just... Um, yeah, no one drinks craft beer to get drunk and poison themselves because who can afford it? Yeah, who's dumb <laughs> enough you to know, you enjoy, moment, yeah. enjoy a couple of great pints and, and enjoy good company, and that's what good beer is all about. And one of the things I, I'm sure we've mentioned on the show recently is... If there's a, a brewery in a town, even if you're not super into beer, like people like to go to a brewery and have a look and have a look at the stainless and try the beers. They might not necessarily like them, so it's a, an attractive thing for tourists to, to do. And yeah, for sure, it adds value to any any town that that doesn't have something like that. Somewhere for people to stop in and well, they stop for a, for a beer. Maybe they'll get a feed while they're there and give jobs, you know, hospitality jobs and brewing jobs for the town that may you know be under decline in other areas. As you know, a lot of regional towns seem to be struggling with decline of industry. Yeah, yeah. So this is one industry, one of the only manufacturing industries in Australia that's actually growing, and we should be supporting that. Yeah, I saw a good example of that in particular at the Bright Brewery. We got to Bright on a Wednesday for um, the Labor Day long weekend and by Wednesday no one's around so in the brewery itself there are maybe two people kicking around getting everything done come Friday afternoon when everyone rolls in complete chaos there's a dozen more there's 20 staff yeah. running around with their heads cut off pretty much yeah. so um, yeah I mean it's a yeah, big they've, boom they've yeah. got a big hospitality venue there it does really well and it's good to see because that's, that's put where across, I think James told us they put across 90% of their beer yeah um over the bar. Well, even back in, the, I mean, my background's Little Creatures. Even the early days of Little Creatures before my time, I think their first, I don't know if it was their first few months or the first year, but it was 90% hospitality, even for Little Creatures, which is now a super brand. Started off relying on hospitality to launch their brand and launch the, and get the business off the ground, which and is great. That's, I think that's such a strong marketing thing is people come in, they, they identify with the brand, and then they go away and want to drink that beer again. And um, chatting to Ren Blackman from Blackman's. Recently, and he was saying how good it is having little creatures in Geelong now, where people come into his pub um, and they know what a pale ale is, so he doesn't have yep. to go through that conversation with them. Little um, creatures need to—they deserve a lot of respect for what they did in the early days in paving the way for modern craft beer. Despite what people think of them now, I mean, they make great beer still, um, and they—they they made this entire industry possible. I mean, they weren't the first brewery, but they to bring craft, yeah. but they were the ones. Um, that really made like open the doors for a lot of other brewers. Undoubtedly, not not long ago I had a Creatures original Pilsner and good it's guy. Good, it was delicious. Good, yeah. Still, yeah. It's a great yeah. beer. So that good, was yeah. that was always my knockoff. Friday afternoon, have a pint of Pilsner. It was a great so beer. Good, yeah, um, so simple but so good. The VHA I tried that at the Good Beer Week Gala. Very hoppy ale, I think it was. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I didn't try that. I didn't even see Creatures there, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that a, a small one with with White Rabbit. It was kind of someone broke a, a growler. Lampshade. Mm. One thing about the gala showcase, the glasses were teku glasses, little mini mini That's tekus nice, yeah. with the branded Good Beer Week, which is a change from previous years, and you got yep. to take them away with you. That's fine. Um, I hope you did because we took one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. Um, yeah. Uh, the other. Oh, I've got two more things. Um, Yeasty Boys contract has been cancelled from Brewdog. Yeah. Um, in the UK, uh, Stu has come out publicly and sort of said, you know, it was a 
Brewdog's decision. Um, apparently there's going to be an article on Good Beer Hunting the next couple of days where Stu's kind of laying out why it's been cancelled. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if there's controversy there or it's just a natural business thing. But So I'm not across this and maybe there's people listening that aren't either. What's the, the back so story there? Yeasty Boys moved, so Stu from Yeasty Boys is living in the UK now for the last year or so. Pretty big push years. to move into that market, yeah. And I think they were brewing a lot. I can't remember how much, but they were brewing more in the UK than they have ever in New Zealand. Oh, wow. Um, and he's been there, you know, establishing the brand, and they've, they've built quite a big brand there. Um, and it's been a, a partnership with Brewdog, and that's been cancelled now. Um, so, yeah, I think, so Matt Curtis from Good Beer Hunting, I know he's spoken to Stu from Yeasty Boys, so uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, so I think it'll be up in the next day or so. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be worth a read, yeah, for Yeasty, sure. Yeasty Boys brand is... Um, so they've just started contract brewing here in Australia as well. Um, so yeah, a crossroads for that brand. Yeah, for mm. sure. Oh, I Hopefully they come out of it okay. Mm. Yeah, they've made plenty of, um, they've established plenty of relationships there, so I'm sure they'll be fine with it. There's, always, there's always a way. It's, yeah, there's yeah. always a way to make things happen in business, one way or another. I'm keen to hear uh, what the nuts and bolts of it are. Though. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we're, we're big fans of Stu and like way back in the day, he the Pot Kettle Black was one of our kind of formative beers. And For sure. Yeah, hopefully they uh, can keep a, a UK presence or hopefully they come back here and open up a brew pub like he's hinted at over the years. Mm-hmm. Watch the space, I guess, <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, Just a quick side note, this IPA is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. yeah cheers, guys. Exactly Appreciate what it. I want to drink on a day like this. Uh, the final thing, uh, Beer the Beautiful Truth kicked off in New Zealand, which is the lion... Um, I think it's lion, isn't it? They're kind of yep. be- beer yeah, is yeah. healthy. Man, we're talking a lot about lion today. Yeah, that, that's a, that bit. seems to when when they kicked it off in Australia, it seems to be doing some good things. It doesn't appear to be received People so well in really New Zealand. I'm not even across this one percent. Can you uh, outline it for me? It's it's all around promoting the nutritional value, not the value of beer, but highlighting that beer is. You 90, know, 99 sugar free. Yeah, kind of thing, lower calories and what people may think, and it's about pushing beer on the whole which is what I love about what Lion are doing uh, it sounds like some of the New Zealand brewers are unhappy about so being excluded from that and, yeah, and they, they maybe issue, rightly so I'm not they took issue with the, the campaign was, was launched and then on the day that it was launched all the small brewers in New Zealand got an email saying hey we're launching this campaign we'd love to you to be part of it and they were like you've just kind of ambushed us with this marketing campaign under the guise of whatever I don't I mean it's been launched in Australia previously and it's, they've relaunched in Australia and I got an email about it the other day and I looked at it and went I don't really care like they can do whatever they want to do people are saying it's harming beer as a brand but I don't like it what do you mean, like about it I don't like the angle of it yeah. don't get put, don't get caught up in that sort of stuff Ooh. I mean maybe it's a lot of truth behind what they're saying but I think it's just a it's an unnecessary move to start pushing the fact that beer might not be as unhealthy as it is yeah, yeah. I mean I've referred to it several times on the show and also in private, one of my favourite quotes from James Smith, Crafty Pint, about craft beer is, our poison's better than your poison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's a great one. Yeah. I love is, it. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I just think Less poisonous poison. Yeah. I just feel like it's uh, an unnecessary angle to go for when you'd have to do a lot of work to get there. Yeah. And right now, no one... Like food trends at the moment as a whole, no one's really that health conscious in terms of burgers are hot, fried chicken's hot. People are wanting, you know, they, they, people are aware that indulgence is good in small amounts. Everything's moderation. Yeah. And that's what craft beer is about. It's having a few pints of quality beer and getting on with your day rather than having 10 pints of rubbish beer and passing out. All right, that's my last news. All right. Uh, should we wrap it up? That's a pretty reasonable uh, news section. I think that's a pretty good there, news yeah. section. That's a 25-minute section there. Yeah, there you go. Healthy. Uh, we'll come I'm back like, and yeah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> yeah. You want to comment on I'll the link? Sort of tag a it more? with the uh, beer is healthy for sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah. Um, we'll come back. We'll take a quick break and we'll uh, chat to Ash more about Colonial. Beautiful. Two, two. Welcome back. We've just got another beer. The packed. Pack what are Mount they? Tenant Pale. AS, uh, ACT? Canberra? I wish I knew better. PACT, yeah. product of ACT. Oh, really? Like, yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, Kevin Hingston, the, he was a champion, former oh, champion home brewer. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really nice for a pale. That's great guys as well. Both Tim and Kev. I, I think there's a third guy involved that I can't remember if I met, but Kevin. Tim that is really great, good. Great guys and they brew amazing beer as well. Yeah. It's the kind of pale that, that I like on a yeah, day like exactly. this. Uh, so, Ash. 
how did you get to to be brewing? How what's your tell us your story from All right. Uh goes back a while. So I was um I was actually studying uh chemistry at uni. Um straight out of high school, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I love science. I love making explosives and making bombs in my back shed and you know, I don't know why, but that seemed like it would be a logical career choice. So I started studying chemistry and then I was 17 at the time when I started and um, I was having trouble faking an ID. So I just started home brewing instead. So I went to Kmart, got the kits because you don't need an ID to buy sugar and sugar and plastic and yeast. So started home brewing when I was 17 is an easy way to get beer. And then um, started home brewing a fair bit, made some terrible beer in my back shed and then I think I went to Little Creatures as soon as I turned 18 and had a, a real pale ale for the first time and it just blew my mind. I was like, that's it. This is this is what I want to do. I want to create real beer. So a week later, I was in my back shed again, cutting down kegs um, that I probably would have stolen from Lionel. I was going to say, where did you get the kegs from? at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fell off the back of a truck um, and made a fully uh, semi-automated stainless steel brew house in my back shed and started entering more brewing home brewing competitions and won a national brewing award and a few other um i think i entered two comps that year with a few different beers and won a few major trophies and best brewer wa in south australia and then the mash paddle award for a competition i don't even know if it's still going but the and uh, i don't know what were your staples that won your award uh my porter was a big one i did a a robust porter um just a classic six and a half percent english hops english malt Real juicy big porter, and then did a couple of IPAs, and I think a Pilsner as well, and they all did pretty well and won some awards. So it's like that's it. I'm the best brewer in the world. I'm <laughs> going to be a professional brewer. So I shuffled my degree around. I dropped out of some of the chemistry units I wasn't enjoying and picked up chemistry, uh, so microbiology and biochem. So I ended up with a pretty varying degree in all kinds of sciences. And then in my final year, I was doing a um, research project. I had to everyone has to do a research project to get their degree and. I was like, well, why don't I just brew beer? So I actually I contacted the head brewer of Little Creatures at the time, uh, who was a chemist as well, because I met him over beer one day. I was always lurking around the place. And um, yeah, he, he agreed to help me be the co-supervisor in my project, because the uni had no idea about how to make beer, so they need someone that knew to co-sign the thing. He didn't have to do anything. He just gave me some malt and said, yep, I'm happy to, to assist Ash where he needs it. And yeah, I spent six months brewing beer in the chemistry labs, analysing the polyphenol extraction from, from mashing and laudering and the different pHs and temperatures, which is a really relevant thing in brewing and got a really good mark. And then the guy, um, uh, Simon Breverton, the head brewer of Little Creatures at the time, just said, hey, do you want to come work for us? Um, so I was fresh out of uni, chemistry, mi- microbiology and biochem degree. Uh, scrubbing the outside of kegs and putting them on an automated keg cleaner. So that was my awesome. job for the first yeah, six months and enough. I loved every minute of yeah. it. <laughs> Um, and straight into a place like Little Creatures. Yeah, yeah, I, I landed on my feet there. I, I, I was really lucky, and the, uh, it was a great team of brewers there. Um, I, I worked on the Russ Gosling, who's still the head brewer to this day, and one of the best brewers in the country, if not the best. Um, so I learned a lot from him, and spent uh, I, I don't even about nine or ten years at Little Creatures. So I started as a cellar hand and ended up brewing, and then became a bit more of a senior brewer. So training and development, and looking at uh, sort of day to day planning and stuff like that. Um, I was the only brewer, I think, that wanted to go from brewing to packaging because I wanted to learn it. So I, I asked to go to packaging. Usually people were either punished to go to packaging or they started in packaging. So I wanted to get into it and spent a couple of years in packaging, ended up doing more of the quality side of packaging. And then because of that, where I was naturally, I wanted to, my, my career goal was to become the quality control manager at a large Australian craft brewery. So. I think six years into my career, they gave me that job. So I spent two years as a quality control manager for Little Creatures, or quality control coordinator for Little Creatures, and what absolutely it, loved it. What does the quality control coordinator do? Simple terms, I made sure the beer tasted good. That was Fair my enough. job. So every morning was <laughs> tastings, and then I would oversee the, the in-house lab and coordinate with the exterior labs to make sure our beer was in spec. Uh, myself, head brewer, and the either packaging or brewing manager would taste every batch that went through, went out the door, and made sure it was up to scratch. And then any any areas for improvement would become my my projects, I suppose, to step forward and and develop our processes and um, and re- not so much recipes, but more about the the finer details and the process. The recipes were locked in; they were good. We just had to make sure we did the same every time. And worked on some projects like moving from filtration to centrifuge and these things that took that just kept little creatures at the forefront of the industry. Um, not that I was the one driving them, but definitely making them happen. Um, and then Lion, Lion came along. And I spent a year under Lion, and um, I, I learned a lot for that year. But I just realized I'm not a I'm a I'm a brewer, not a 
I'm not a I, I'm not a corporate career person. Lion are great. They look after their people. They're one of the best companies to work for in the beverage industry as far as looking after people. Uh, amazing conditions, and they're super passionate about creating good beer. But it just it wasn't the right fit for me. And um, so the ex CEO of uh, Little Creatures approached me to start up Barra Boys Brewing Company. So I was based in WA this whole time, and I moved over to Melbourne to start Barra Boys. So. Went in, went in as a technical brewer to start a new business and ended up being everything. Finance, accounts, sales, <laughs> marketing, brewing, logistics, janitor, events, with, along with a couple of other guys who were like Justin and Dean in the early days who were just absolutely amazing guys to work with as well. So we created a, a brand from nothing essentially. Um, and you've since left Barry Boys and now the, the yeah, head, so, so it's head brewer of Colonial? Was yeah, so the I was a, the uh, co-founder of Barry Boys and one of the shareholders um, and now I've, I've left that and no longer part of Barry Boys. Now I'm national head of brewing for Colonial. So I manage and look after both the WA and Port Melbourne breweries along with um, uh, Jared who's my, my equal in the business. He, he looks after, we sort of share the role. So he looks after operations, I look after brewing. So yeah, it's, I've gone from having uh, running a contract brewing business, which is essentially a, a recipe writing and then sales and marketing business, to uh, running one of the top 10, if not close to top 10 brewing companies in Australia as far as size. So it's, uh, I've gone from no breweries to two breweries and <laughs> got a lot of work on my plate, but absolutely loving it. Great team, great beers, and we're just going from strength to strength. It's just about developing and moving into the just future Just stepping with it. back briefly, when you were your 17-year-old home brewer and the 18-year-old Little Creatures Pale lover, what? how long ago was this? I'm only 31, so this so would have been 2003. Three-ish around right. there somewhere. So when you started going crazy with home brewing and bring and uh, bring up these award-winning beers, what were your um, inspirations and where were you getting the information about how to make these recipes? Uh, cross between just lots of research. So at the time there wasn't much. It, this was I mean it was would have been actually um, would have been seventeen. So yeah, two thousand and two, first year of uni, two thousand two. Um, I would have, yeah, it was, there was a couple of online forums and that was it, like the Australian home brewer and, and there was a, a little um, microbrewery and um, homebrew shop called um, Grumpy's in South Australia, just out at Adelaide Hills. They had this little homebrew shop that I used to order stuff from and um, they had a little forum that was, it was like 20 or 30 of us, just fanatic homebrewers, used to chat about ideas and how to brew. I was reading any brewing book I could get my hands on. Um, and then Roy at TWOC in Bibber Lake, and that was still the best homebrew shop in Australia, hands down. Roy's an absolute... He's, I reckon he's done as much for the industry as anyone else. Most professional brewers. So did you say TWOC? Yeah. Roy Ladhams. Yeah, okay. he's absolute legend. So he got me and guys like Brendan O'Sullivan and heaps of WA brewers gave them the tools they needed to become the brewers they are today as far as starting at home and working up. So It's kind of funny there how was, you hear the same stories about John Preston at, grape, at Graining Grape. Yeah, yeah. Like, so there's like a lot of push from these like homebrew angles mm. that are shaping a lot of uh, yeah, careers home, around the place. Homebrewing yeah. started the, 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 let's say revolution, but the craft beer, I, I call what's happening craft beer now, it's, not a, it's nothing new. We're just going back to what beer was, which was this, this natural product from actual ingredients sourced from the ground rather than the lab. Um, and we're just going, and they, you know, there used to be, I think, 200 breweries in Victoria or 150, something like that. We're only just getting back to that number now. So people say this bubble's going to burst. We're actually only getting back to what it was before the, the multinationals and the bigger companies start buying each other out. So I don't know if it's going to be a wave or we're just, that was, it, this is the end of it and we're back to what it used to be. I, I, I wish I could see the future, but. Yeah, no one knows what's going to happen, I, I, right? like to, I like to think <laughs> what good, good real beer is here to stay, at least well, in my lifetime. In the, in the longer timeline, like the, I guess timeline of history you know lager big brand lager is more of a bubble because it rose really quickly in the last 80 years and now we're popping that bubble and getting back to what it used to be right yeah but i, I think at the same time we we under undervalue lager as well lager is a beautiful beer style that because we're rejecting mainstream boring beer because it that happens to be a lager I think for a while they were rejecting lager in general, but now I like to see the industry is going back saying, hey, no, lager can be good. It's just the right kind of lager. Lager with real hops and real malt and brewed by people who care about the product and care about the flavor of the beer and, and what people want in the beer rather than the, the bottom line and, and being a fast-moving consumer good, but people that care about the beer itself. And you know, there's some amazing lagers on the market right now that 
you know, they're as good as any ale out there. There's no reason why lager can't be as flavoursome as an ale. It's just My first beer here today was the uh, Young Henry's Lager, and it was fantastic. Mm. It was exactly what I wanted. Walking, walking here in the sweltering heat, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. What? Uh, do you guys do a lager at Colonial now? No, uh, we, Kolsch, is it? No, our Kolsch is sort of a hybrid, so it's a cool fermented ale, and that's what a traditional Kolsch is. We don't do a lager currently. We do a seasonal lager, so the, I don't know if you guys would have seen the um, Astra. Oh, oh yeah, I really don't think, yeah, yeah. So that was a, a classic lager, dry hopped with Astra hops, which are a fairly new hop from Ellsley Hop Farms, and, and that was a great beer. That was before my time, um, but we'll be keeping that beer going. I don't know if it's seasonal or it's one-offs here and there, but there's definitely a place for lagers in my heart, so we'll keep going. Do you think on. once um, some smaller to medium breweries get the capacity to be able to hold something for six, four to six weeks, you'll see, we'll see more great yeah, lagers around? I, I think so. And I, I'm sort of glad to see small brewers that don't have capacity not doing lagers because if you're going to do a lager, you've got to do it right, and you need to lager a lager. Like mm. That's... <laughs> Yeah. By definition, they, they have to sit in tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to lager yeah. lager. Why? Well, it's you know the main traditionally um, lagers were sort of aging caves, and it was good for clarification. Like the proteins and polyphenols would settle out and produce a clearer beer, which was in vogue at, at that time. But there's a flavour change, and it's not something that there seems to be a whole lot of real good research about but there's definitely a flavor change of lar with lagering the flavor becomes more integrated certain characters soften and like the polyphenols for example give astringency and some of the hop hop compounds will break will you know solidify and settle out during lagering and you end up with this smoother cleaner beer um that's just i don't know it's more more rounded more balanced um depending you know you got to start the right work and the right fermentation to start with but lagering just softens and gives a beer better better integration of flavor um and that you know you don't need that of an ale because it's all about the hop character the malt character or the um the yeast character if it's some belgian style or even english style which are quite yeast focused um that, that sort of estuary profile but with a lager it's really clean you just want to it's all about the balance and the flavor integration uh, and i reckon you, you just need time in tank to really get that so tell us about Colonial. Uh, I think people in Melbourne are probably increasingly familiar with Colonial, but um, yeah, what's, what's, what's the brand about and what are the beers about? Yeah, so we've, we started, um, I think Colonial was founded in 2004 down in Margaret River and it was a 600 litre brew house from memory. You say down in Margaret River, but uh, you're on the other side of the Across island Across in Margaret River, sorry, <laughs> I forget where I am some days. Um, yeah, so it started in Margaret River as a fairly small brew pub um, dedicated to hospitality as we were chatting about earlier. And then, um, you know, they made some great beer. I think Dean McLeod was one of the first head brewers there who actually ended up at Little Creatures and White Rabbit for a while. Now he's in Canada. Really good brewer. So he, he got it off and running. Um, and then a few years later, it changed ownership. And that's when the current owners bought it. So they bought the Colonial Brewery and um, a few venues around the place. Um, and it was only a year and a half ago that that brew, and it went through some expansion. So it's a 25 hectolitre brew house, a so 2,500 litre brew house into 5,000 litre tank. So it's not huge, but it's pretty big. And it's not a massive site. There's only six ferment, oh, sorry, eight now fermenters. Um, so it's a mid sized brewery in Margaret River. And about a year and a half ago, um, they were just pumping too much beer out. They couldn't keep up. So they were looking at building a new brewery in Victoria. Uh, and there were some issues with council, I, I think. And then the ex-Matilda Pay site came up and it was just too good. The, half the equipment was there. They had the brew house there. So Colonial um, purchased that. Uh, so big fermentation farm, great uh, 25 hectolitre brew house again, but a, a larger format brew house that can turn out a few more, like an extra brew a day. And um, so, yeah, but that was about a year and a half ago. Now, four months ago, we've just put in a new canning line. So it's actually one of the best canning lines in craft beer in Australia. Do 100 cans a minute with really low auction pickup, really sanitary. So consistent, high-quality craft beer is what we're all about. And you need the right tools to do that. I mean, you, you need a good brewer to make good beer, but you do need the, the right gear as well. You need it to, on a, on a larger scale or at least a medium scale, you still need good equipment to make great beer, especially in... in in package that is and can kegs not quite as complicated that's one of the things that you know with the, the whole canning debate people say that canning's better but if you're still getting oxygen pick up when you're canning you're correct cans cans are the best to in, in a small package format so bottle bottle versus can can 100 percent of the time it's a better 
way to store beer. It's also a much more difficult way to fill beer, fill cans versus bottles because the wider mouth, you're going to get more oxygen pickup. So we go through a quite an in-depth process. We purge a can twice versus nitrogen, then with carbon dioxide to remove any oxygen. Then pressurize a can, fill it, and then seam it straight away in a, in a large, um, medium-sized rotary filler rather than the inline fillers that a lot of brewers are using, which do the job. But if I was going to sit beer in a can for a month or two, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust it unless it's coming from a, a, good, a good line. And that's one of the things I learned, especially the little creatures being quality manager. You have to get these little details right. It's not just about what hops you throw in and what malts you use and what yeast you use and, and how, how fun your name of the beer is. You know, the little details down to the parts per billion of auction in the beer really matter. Yeah, so. I guess like um, a lot of uh, the can releases now are sort of fever pitch hype-wise, so they're getting snapped up immediately. Yeah, and, and they'll immediately. taste amazing. Yeah, but then once that once everyone starts moving towards cans for packaging and that sort of slows down, I sort of guess that'll separate the men from the boys with that. Uh, yeah, and people will speak with their, their, their mouths. Like if, that's just probably the stupidest thing yeah. I've ever said. That's how I usually speak. <laughs> but... Um, I yeah, can yeah. that, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll, be the, that'll be the title of the episode. Yeah, great. Right. People yeah. who speak with yeah. their mouths. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you if you pick up a beer and it tastes great, you're going to buy it again. If you pick up a beer and it's substandard, you might choose another beer next time. And that's going to become more and more relevant as our industry grows and also grows inwards and gets more crowded. So There's quality a, matters. A few cans on the market that I've had recently, which you can taste that there was a good beer when it went into the can, but they've, they've had too much oxygen pick up and you can... I don't know if I'm more sensitive to oxygen now than I, I ever was, but you just, I'm just picking it up so much in cans. Um, and that's one of the things I really like about colonial beers is, you know, they're, they're clean and consistent across the range. And I've never picked up a can and gone, oh, that's a little bit off, no matter how long I've had it for, you know? Yeah. Um, and a big part of it, I think it's easier to blame brewers as well for if there's a quality issue. But a lot of the time, if a beer sits in a distribution center for six months because a warehouse, a third-party logistics company that the brewer may not even really understand what's happening there doesn't rotate their beer through properly, an old batch of beer could get to a bottle shop that usually receives one-month-old beer and then they find a pallet that they forgot about and deliver old beer and then that's it. They may lose regular customers. So it's a whole thing from, from in like receiving fresh hops and fresh malt to getting a beer into a consumer's mouth um, there's so many things along that process that need to be managed really carefully so cold chain we do full cold chain distribution to make sure that our beer stays fresh Um, you know even even though most beers have a 9 to 12 month shelf life depending on what they are beer is really best straight out of the brewery there's very few beers on the market or in the world that actually improve with age some may get better if that's what your taste is if you like that sweetening of flavor profile in certain bigger beers um, great but generally speaking especially if beers like pale ales and ipas and stuff that are the mainstays of craft beer you want to drink them fresh and to drink them fresh you got to keep them cold and keep and look after them treat them like milk basically that's one of the interesting things like supply chain um I think i mentioned this on a previous show we i got to ship it in pretty frequently with my my girlfriend we're her family's from, and I was buying some Mubru cans at the Dan Murphy's there, and I looked at the the bottle, the date on the bottom, and there was a three month difference between cans that were you know next to each other basically. Oh right. Uh, yeah. So I looked of the, at of the same product. Yeah, same product. So I looked at the can, uh, the date, and I went, "Well, I'm going to buy these ones because they're a lot fresher." But not not many people would know to yeah, look after yeah. that, and that's it's one of those things that I'm. I'm you sort of got to be careful what you wish for because if you want people to look at that stuff, then it's not who has the best beer gets the most sales. It's who has the freshest beer, which is a good movement, but it'll be it'll create some issues in trade for those that like small startup businesses that just can't afford to spend twice as much on logistics to keep it cold. It, it definitely changes things, I think. You know, and I think most is, a, is kind of the temptation for a lot of brewers to just go as far as they can straight away, but. As you, as you were saying, like as far as you, the further you go, the more chance it is to, to the best, get bad. The, the best beer you ever got to try is a beer closest to where you live. So you'll never get beer fresh than going down to your local brew pub and getting a pint straight off tap. And that's kind of what Colonial have done, opening up a brewery on both coasts um, yeah. to get that, that Yeah, freshness. that's right. So we've got... I mean, the other thing, the main thing we've done that for as well is so we don't have to cross the nullable with beer. 
in usual circumstances, we brew WA for WA and we brew Melbourne for the East Coast. And the East Coast is predominantly Melbourne. We're not we're not above sort of we're not really that active and that big in Sydney, New South Wales, uh, and Queensland. Uh, we're mainly Victoria and WA. Uh, it's probably 80, 90% of our sales. Um, and that's because that's where the brewery is. That's where our focus is. We want to make sure that if we can't get beer in people's hands tasting fresh, there's just no point giving it to them. Um, and the, the Colonial Leisure Group has a couple of pubs. Um, Robbie Burns, one. Uh, Botanical, Botanical, Lucky Cock, yeah. Bimbo's Deluxe, Raffles. We've got, we've got a few and they're all great venues. Quite different venues. There's a good mix of venues. And most of them pour our beer, not exclusively. We pour other good beer as well. You know, our, our venues don't, they're not just going to favour us. They're their own standalone entities. Um, if they want our beer, they can get it. And if they don't, they don't have to. So, Do you know the proportion of sales between everything else versus those venues? Or is that, because like that's, you know, yes, it's, it's a good, good way to do it. Can you say the proportion of sales? It's Give not. It's a ballpark. It, look, it's, it's not a massive amount. It's less than a third. So there's... It, it's a fair bit of our volume, but it's certainly not. Um, it's not the the majority of our volume. Um, the we as a business, we sort of, you know, we're we're all under the same umbrella, but we operate quite independently. So the venues have to be venues, and the the brewery has to be a brewery. We can't hang off each other. So that's what the priority is. To you know, if if our beer is the right fit for the venues, then great. If it's not, then maybe something else is, and that's the most important thing. We want to make sure our venues have the right draw cards for people in the area and the, for their demographic and for what people want for those venues. Uh, we're not going to push an IPA onto a venue that just wants to drink Peroni so, and vice versa. As a, a head brewer that has, I guess, two breweries, as you said earlier, how does your day look? Like, if something happens in... Uh, long. Okay. <laughs> long but fun. So, I usually spend... At, I mean, I'm only fairly new. I'm only a couple of months into the role and still still working things out. But as it is now, I'm probably one week in Margaret River and three weeks in Port Melbourne. So, Port Melbourne, a bit more hands-on. Margaret River, I've got a couple of great brewers over there. Same as... In, like, we've got a great team. I I don't need to be on the floor every day. I don't need to be mashing in or anything. I've got a great team of brewers who know that brew house better than I do. Um my what what are my focus is is just keeping it keeping them together making sure that the beer out of both sites is consistent making sure that when we launch new beers and do new projects that they they make sense and we're going to brew a great beer that has a reason for being um and then quality development so we're, we're producing good beer now but there's always room for improvement. Every brewery in the world can make better beer than they are. So that's my big focus is just making sure that I mean, we've got the tools, we've got the equipment, we've got everything we need to make the best beer in Australia. So that's our focus. And that's, that's where my priorities are right now. And then there's all the routine stuff like making sure we have molten hops and yeah. stuff into the future because you've you got to plan ahead now. You can't just order hops when, and malt when you need them. You've got to be planning a year or two in advance. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you're forward projecting uh, and any changes along the way. Like how, how are you approaching that? Uh I guess you're st- just, just starting to think about that now. Yeah, I um, jumped straight into that pretty early on, looking at making sure, like our, our beers are only as good as the ingredients we use. And if we can't get those ingredients, we have a different beer. So there's like our IPA that we've been drinking this afternoon. It's an all Australian IPA. So it uses all Australian hops. Now, Australian hops are under a lot of demand locally and internationally. I mean, I was in uh, New York and Denver last year and some of the best breweries over there had Galaxy single hop Galaxy IPAs and stuff. Yeah. Like we can't get that hop in Australia, yeah. <laughs> um, so we need to make sure we're planning ahead to make sure we we get what we need. Um, but at the same time, we could be changing things. We could be developing recipes year to year and bring out new beers. So how do I plan for the hops that I might need in a year's time when we may launch a new beer next year? And I need a plan now if I'm going to launch a new beer next year for the hops, but I don't know what I want to brew next year yet. So, and the t- we, as a team, we don't know what we want to brew. So it's a lot of, it's a challenge. First step is just covering, making sure that our established beers, the draft, small, pale, IPA, we have everything we need for them. Beyond that, we can be a bit more flexible anyway. So, What do you think uh, Colonial looks like in five years' time? Uh, well, if, if we, if we go where we want to go, we're going to be one of the leading, I mean, we're already up there in terms of um, scale and, and I like to think reputation, we've got a long way to go. Um, I like to think we're making some of Australia's best beer and, you know, we're not trying to take over the world. We don't want to be the next CUB or Lion. We just want to have a, a nice sustainable business, bring amazing beer that people in Australia respect and love and hopefully a fair bit of it.
But do you think others, other uh, production facilities in other parts of the country to um, replicate what you're doing in WA? And uh, at this at this stage, there's no need. But um, sure, over time, if we need to expand, uh, if if Port Melbourne, if we. Oh, sorry. Are you more likely to open a production facility than try and move more beer north from Victoria? Yeah, that's a hard one because we've got a lot of we've got a nice big brewery in Port Melbourne that we're not fully utilising right now. So we've, we're just pretty new there. We only started canning a few months ago. We've got a lot of growing to do in that brewery. Beyond that, when we max that brewery out, uh, we'll probably do some expansions long term. If if Sydney and um, Queens of New South Wales and Queensland get behind our beer and want to be part of it then sure I, I think we'll definitely look at that because again you want to keep it fresh and local but the priority for now is um, I guess the priority until now has just been meat demand now we've got to that point with our brewery fully operational it's about where we're going in future so I'm pretty new to it all and I'm not going to pretend that we have a, a full-on 10-year strategy in place just yet, but we're certainly but working on it. sounds like it. now is a pretty exciting time um, at Colonial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely loving it. We've got a great team of brewers. We're doing great beer. Uh, we've got some really fun projects coming up for Gabs as well as our in-house project beers and our seasonal stuff. Can we get an insight into the Gabs beer? Uh, this, I can't. this time of year, we have to ask every brewer that. Yeah, you can <laughs> ask all you like. Okay. But for now, it's it's pretty tight lipped about. We're do, all I say is we're doing a collaboration of the boys at West Winds Gin again, just like last oh, awesome. year. Okay. Yeah, so cool. we're gonna bring a bring a gin component into what we're brewing, and we're just finalising the details now. But it's looking pretty good, and all of us brewers are pretty excited about it. What was the gin beer last year? Uh, the Reuben sandwich, or the Reuben. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I generally had quite a bit of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it made it to, I think it was uh, number, it was around, the, around number 10. Yeah, or cool. I think it was in the top 10 people's choice. So That's pretty for, fun. For a beer yeah. called a Reuben sandwich. For a beer yeah. called a Reuben sandwich, <laughs> yeah. It's, I, um, when I first saw that, this was well before I was at Colonial. I've known the Colonial Brewers for a while, but the first time I saw that, I was like, what are you thinking? But people loved it, and um, it was a great beer. So we're hoping to um, step it up a notch from, from last nice. year. But top five. Striving, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah number one. Let's just, just go straight for it. Just can't believe uh, you just said Yeah, if you want to get win. number one, you got to call Ross and see yeah, what his yeah. secret is. Yeah, and then and try and emulate it. Yeah. Uh, First day, we just want to make a great beer. Like Gabs, I love Gabs. I love that you can do creative stuff. We still want to make sure it's something you can drink a pint of as well. So, how do you get people's choice in a beer that's going to really stand out amongst 180 other beers in a little shot glass size? Versus have something you can drink a pint of. So probably that's not, it's balance. probably not even worth getting people's choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like a better, it's like a better concentrated crowdsource um, marketing goal, I reckon. Yeah. We just want people to enjoy our beer. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what it's about. So. The, um, the Colonial Six Pack is definitely becoming one of the staples in our fridge. And it's, you know, and, and all the things you're talking about, you know, um, clean beer, consistent beer, well packaged. Uh, these days, if I want a six pack, you know that's what I'm looking for. I will get a six pack and you know two or three other random things. And like having a, a brewery on the east coast, you know, has helped that I guess that freshness and everything. And um, yeah, it's kind of I'm really excited. And I really like going to the brewery, and it's it's an interesting brewery in terms of doing those clean, well made beers. Um, yeah, the sort of beers we've been banging on about for the last year, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. Any more questions, Dave? Oh, I think I'm done. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add about Colonial or, or anything before we... Um, I'm pretty good. I feel like I've, right. I've talked enough. <laughs> I want to uh, refresh my beer and then... Um, uh, do some wrecks. Yeah, yeah. Know? Awesome. Nice. Yeah, one, we're two, good. one, two. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, should we jump into Feels some Feels like wreck time, hey? Yeah, yeah. Dave, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. What do you want to start with? Let's go with chance? beer. Beers? Sure. Okay. I'm going to start with the Scotty Smash. Uh, oh, yeah, nice. Single malt, single hop. Uh, brew crew number two from Bad Shepherd, I believe. Yep. Number one escapes me at the moment, but I can't think of it. But it number one was your ESB, yeah, ESB? by Dan from the bar. Oh, it was yeah. pretty good too. I haven't yeah. tried the uh, the Smash, but that ESB it's was one of my highlights well, the of the smash year. So is it was really, beer. really good. Uh, to the point that, let's say it was a core beer, I'd drink that over the New World IPA. Interesting. Yeah. What'd you like about it? Because uh, Heritage uh, Malt, right? Yeah, Heritage Malt. I can't think of what hops we used with it. Mm, anyway, but it was super clean, super fresh, just ticked all the boxes for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, Get my out. 
Sounds yeah. good. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's packaged as well. Yeah, it's packaged so it and might be and around. So. Scotty's a great guy as well. Yeah, so he's a legend. He, he would have put his name on something he didn't Too like. Too right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think I high fived him over that beer at the gala. Um, that dude loves a high five. I love a high five. <laughs> there are a How lot of you? high fives flying around on Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to jump into the beer rack, uh, and I'm going to recommend the, the Blackman's Brewery. It's a new release from them. Uh, it's the Juicy Juicy Banger. Yeah, uh, I was going to recommend that too. Okay, it's a great uh, step, beer. Step on your toes. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Go in, for it. India Pale Lager. Uh, the cans look amazing. Like really nice, um, fun floral design. They really stand out, and it's just fruit, fruit on the nose, clean lager finish. Everything I like. Sounds about. perfect. Yeah, yeah, so good. Is it getting yep. packaged? Oh, it is getting you saying. It's in packages Looking now. out for it, um, okay. Yeah, I think it doesn't go too far, but yeah, grab some now because it'd be nice and fresh. And it's the kind of beer you a day like this in a six-pack, you'd, yep. you'd go Great. through pretty quickly. Ash, what do you got for us? Awesome. Well, I was going to recommend the Juicy Banger as well, but I'm going to go... Now, I'm going to go over whiskey, actually. I was at Starwood yesterday, really enjoyed the Solera, so... Beautiful whiskey, really subtle sort of grapey undertones, bit of cognac sort of undertones, but just a, oh, I, I had three or four of them yesterday afternoon, and they just they were just beautiful. So that that would be my near, almost beer recommendation. Any afternoon with three or four whiskeys is uh, yeah, it's a good <laughs> afternoon. Yeah, no, I, I can't can't rate it highly enough. Really, enjoyed I still it. haven't been. Have you have you been to the never? Distillery? We should do it though. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've worked a hundred meters from there for the last couple of months. I went there yesterday for the first time, so I'm well. I was well overdue. And really? they always like propose doing a colonial slash Starwood yeah. sort of uh, run. Oh. All right, let's do non-beer. Oh, what, uh, Solera. So are they just topping up a barrel and then serving. Uh, I couldn't bar? figure out if they were. They're using. I think they're using sherry barrels. So I was. I was trying to figure out, and I, I didn't get a chance to ask the guys if it was a Solera barrel, so an ex Solera sherry barrel, or whether they were doing the whiskey in the Solera style. So it's something I want to find out because either way, it was amazing, and I want to know how they made it. So Solera style was basically topping up as you go. Yeah. You so you take some out, you put some back. So I'm not sure if they did that for the whiskey, or that was the history of the barrel for sherry or a similar sort of product. Dave, non-beer, non what do you got? Uh, I feel like I've done it for their last three or four albums, so I'm going to recommend the uh, latest in the prolific album releases of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Album so called you said, I feel like I've done oh, oh, it. Here we go. Here we go again. I'm just excited because I'm seeing them tonight and on Thursday night, so I, I can't get them out of my mind. I saw t-shirt earlier as well. Uh, I saw it earlier as well, yeah, yeah. I'm just excited about it. Uh, very strange album as is their want it's called the flying microtonal banana the hook in this album is that uh instrument maker friends of theirs built them some microtonal instruments so that means that for example in the guitar there's some added frets so okay. it adds half notes yeah right. what that does is really fuck with what you think sounds right there's a lot okay. of wrong sounding things in it uh which is got to be a challenge for them, but they made it sound fun and good. So, uh, just in a few like guitar runs, you go. That doesn't. That sounds out of tune. Is what it sounds like. Yeah. But I can make it work. It's going to be a bit of fun. So yeah, cool. I can recommend it. It's a strong album. Excellent. And also, they're re releasing. This is the first of five albums this year. So there's probably going to be a lot of Gizzard recommendations yeah, yeah, yeah. for me this year. Yeah. <laughs> got five more Gizzard recommendations yeah. for the rest of the year. Exactly. Um, I haven't listened to. I've listened to a little bit of them. But maybe I'll check that. That sounds very interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, awesome. Uh, I'm going to jump in. Do it. What's and go with uh, oh Richard Simmons podcast. Yeah, okay. missing Richard Simmons. Yeah. Um, the the famous '80s exercise guy, uh, and he went missing, or he kind of withdrew mm -hmm. from public life. Yep. And this podcast is kind of uh, for people that have listened to Serial, very similar to Serial, but. Instead of a murder, they're solving why Richard Simmons has disappeared and where he's gone. So I haven't heard the podcast itself, but I have heard some extended discussion about very him since then. And it's a deep, layered story. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, far more than I expected. And it's getting, I'm up to episode four, and it's getting a little bit creepy into this guy's personal life. So I don't know if I'm going to commit, but... Like good creepy or creepy creepy? A little bit like, uh, how much are we intruding on this guy's life who just wants to, yeah. to disappear? So yeah, check it out. Missing Richard Simmons. It's number one on every fucking podcast channel wow. at the moment. So, so it's got some heat right now. Okay. Oh, it's the, yeah. So it's not even really that much of a good recommendation. You, you've probably read, like, there's a lot of think pieces going around. Everyone's going to be talking about it in the next couple pieces. of weeks. Go on, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Atlantic, New Yorker, they're all talking about it. Could be a good one for my drives down to Margaret River when I've got about two and a half, three hours yeah. to get yeah. in the car. Absolutely. Sounds perfect. Half an hour episode so you can load up on five. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. I've got my next trip planned already. 
What do you got? A non-beer recommendation there, Ash. Uh, non-beer recommendation. Uh, an American friend recommended the TV series Westworld to me uh, a week ago, and I've now watched them all. So it was ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, sci-fi, sci-fi slash westerns. It's incredible. I've never seen it, but like every every recommendation I've heard is that it's. Amazing. It's ridiculous. And every conversation and it's one of the I've best endings it, up to a series wow. I've seen. Excellent. It was it was good, yeah. I just like blew my uh, girlfriend's mind earlier this weekend by saying that I'd never watched Game of Thrones. She just couldn't compute it. Nah, I th- said, this is better than Game of Thrones. But Th- I said part of the reason why that is that I've never heard a conversation about Game of Thrones that made me go, got to watch that. But every single conversation I've heard about Westworld makes me go, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's already been like adopted into popular culture really quickly as well like the, there's a the mask I've never seen it as well but I know the mask is becoming a popular culture thing um, I don't know I don't know what that means but have you anyone like has anyone seen did you watch Westworld? no nah. oh did you see the like original is it a movie that it no used to I haven't I right. only realised that was one so yeah, I'm going right. to have to check that out But I don't know what year it was from but I think it was the 70s or the 80s yeah it's Michael Crichton so yeah, you know right. it's going to be good yeah, yeah. Uh, is it HBO do you know? yeah HBO? I think yeah. so I think so yeah I got it very okay. legitimately, <laughs> of course. Um, before we wrap up, I want to give a shout out to my new podcast. Please tune into the Hypothetical Institute and give us a rating on iTunes. We're trying to take down another Australian podcast. We've got a rivalry with them. Who is it? Uh, two dope dads. Two dads that smoke dope and do a podcast. It's a good hook. They don't, honest, they don't yeah. know we've got a rivalry <laughs> with them. Like, it's picked a random one. Like, we're coming oh, for you, two okay. dope dads. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot Listen of fun. to the bells too, dope dads. They toll for thee. <laughs> What's it called? Hypothetical. Hypothetical Institute. All right. Uh, we talk about conspiracy theories. Dave, where can we find you on the internet? Instagram, Twitter, at MelbDave. Send me an email at Dave at aleofatime.com if you want to bring up... Hang on a second. Didn't you say there were Rex from a listener? Oh, sorry. Chris. Yeah. Chris, yeah, where uh, your Rex at? Listener Chris sent us a couple of recommendations. He sent me a really lovely email. Were they beer Rex or non-beer Rex? One of each. Love it. Thanks, Chris. He, he emailed through and said that uh, he's listened to all of our recommendations for Netflix shows. And on the back of that, he got Netflix. You're joking. And, um, You're welcome, Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, right. Yeah. Send us your checks, Netflix. We'll be happy <laughs> to take them. Uh, so he's recommending the uh, State versus OJ Simpson. I've heard a, that's really yeah. good. Yeah, okay. Uh, and he, he gave me a really nice write-up about that. So I'm probably gonna, we're probably going to watch that next once we're done with Fargo. I like it. And the Newstead Amber Lager. Do we uh, see that? I don't think we see... But it's a recommendation from the area, though? Yeah, yeah, up, cool. up in Brisbane. Um, I'll have to check it out. It's one of my yeah. favourite styles. Yeah. Well, the Barrow Boys had a, uh, an Amber Lager. Coincidentally, one yeah. of my favourite yeah. styles. <laughs> <laughs> um, they contract broke Kaiju. I don't know if they're still doing that, but they were for limited releases. Yeah. Um, is this the limited release? No, I think it's one of their core Part of their range. Core, right, okay. I should have probably looked that up to have these details. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, but if you're up in, in Brisbane or, or Queensland, I'm sure you can get it pretty easily. And, uh, Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. I love and it, Chris. If anybody else has same similar wrecks... Keep your mouth closed. No. <laughs> David Elvertime to me directly. Luke Elvertime to Luke directly. Yep. I reckon Emma's probably still got her email address yeah, active, but yeah. you might not get a response she's, from she's it. She's not reading yeah, Okay. Um, at Isle of a Time for everything I do. How about, and what else for your uh, your social media deets? Just at Isle of a Just Time everywhere. Across yep. the board, right. Yep. Or, or at Hypothepod for Hypothetical Institute. Hypothepod. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Ash, where can we find you on social media or and Colonial as well? Uh, Colonial uh, Instagram is our, our main feed. Uh, CBCO, CBCO underscore. And me, Brewer underscore Ash on Instagram. I'm not that big on Twitter and... I actually don't know if Colonial's on Twitter, but they used to be. Actually, that Twitter's me. Twitter's hard work. You got to be so active. You got to you got to want to be on Twitter. And personally, I'm not. A, I can't keep up. There was a fake Colonial account oh, on really? Twitter, and I came across it because I was looking to tag Colonial on a photo, and I couldn't find them on Twitter at all. And then I found a random fake one that was presented like Colonial, but it had a lot of like really random tweets, and like I think slagging Colonial off or something. And I emailed um, China. Jenna? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jenna, yeah. Emailed her who does marketing for you guys and was like, I think there's a fake account and it's since been shut down. So that was your Twitter, Colonial's Twitter uh, experience for a while. 
Just um, go through Instagram then for that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. just go to Instagram for Colonial. Uh, our, our venues, so Port Melbourne and Mark River uh, Colonial venues are on Facebook as well. Instagram's our main channel for sure. So Facebook's about what we're up to and what events we've got on. Uh, Instagram's our main sort of... Day-to-day um, stuff. Yeah, Get involved right. with that. Awesome. All right, well, and thanks we'll for the standard here, for uh, providing a great beer garden for a... Yeah, it wasn't good. Couldn't be better. Yeah. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks,